This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. And I'm Lauren Good, senior tech editor at The Verge. And you're listening to Too Embarrassed to Ask, where we answer all of your embarrassing questions about tech. But really, there are no embarrassing questions about tech. And we want to help you answer them. It could be about cloud services, wireless plans, self-driving cars, or whether Kara's going to buy the new red iPhone. I'm not going to buy the new Air, but you have it apparently, right? You have all this Apple equipment with you right now. I have correct? all kinds of equipment with me, not just Apple. But yes, Apple did loan us one of the new red iPhones, um, which they just announced mm-hmm. the other day. And it's like they've done a bunch of red products before with Red, which is an organization yeah. that contributes its proceeds to the Global Fund to fight AIDS. So it's for a cause, right? But this is like a new special edition iPhone. So it's red. That's what you need to know about it. It's exactly yeah. the same as your iPhone 7, your giant iPhone 7 Plus that you have, but it's red. Yeah. I don't, okay. All right. But it's red. Yeah. All right. Well, whatever. I do. But you're going to testing them, right? This week, you're going to be testing all these I'm things. I'm just going to use it. I'm going to use all the gadgets. All the gadgets. Good. Just, yeah. All right. So today, we're not going to be talking about that. Um, but when we do, send us your questions. We read them all. Find us on Twitter or tweet them to at Recode or to myself or to Lauren with the hashtag too embarrassed. Yes. And if you want to send us questions via email, you can also do that. It's too embarrassed at Recode.net. And a friendly reminder that embarrassed has two R's and two S's. And while you're at it, have a listen to our previous episodes too which you can find on itunes.com slash too embarrassed to ask mm-hmm. leave us five stars telling us how much you loved our podcast from south by southwest yeah exactly Kara, you and i were roommates for a couple days were. at south by we southwest were. that was so delightful wow it was that so was fun great. wasn't it we painted oh, no. nails we took naps <laughs> <laughs> I really did take a nap. No, we did one not. Night. We did not. We did not cuddle in I any took, way. This is, no, this is what it was. We did not cuddle. We had two separate beds. We were crammed into the same hotel room because South by Southwest yeah. is a notoriously bad place to try to book travel to or around. And I will say I did have this one moment. It was like Sunday afternoon and we had just taped a bunch of podcasts and I was tired and I went to go take a nap before the evening events I had to go to. And I'm pretty sure Kara chose that moment to call her insurance company. Uh, so <laughs> I was napping and she was all, um, hi, I need to talk to you about my insurance policy and i was like what is mine doing i was doing a favor for a friend so anyway um in any case it was really nice sharing rooms i hope never to do it again (laughs) um but we have other things to discuss and we like south by south that's we had a really good time we had some great uh, podcasts there with mary lou jepson Uh, i interviewed the cast of veep and the guys from crooked media um but in general we we had a really good time there and you're bearing the lead you got inducted into the south by southwest hall of fame that's well, I don't pretty, like to brag okay, on myself, well, I'll Lauren. Brag. You know. Yes, you do. And I will brag for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So but, but we have another fame. voice there in the room. You yes. hearing another voice there. Explain who's here, Lauren, please. Uh, well, today on Too Embarrassed to Ask, we're going to be talking about the elephant in the room, and that is Uber, which you've probably heard of before. And so we decided to bring Recode's Johanna Buyan onto the show because she and you, Kara, uh, have done a ton of great reporting on the company lately, along with our old friend Mike Isaac from the New York Times. Um, there's just been a lot going on in the world of Uber. Yeah. And so this is what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. So it's they've been in the news for not so good reasons. And when they try to get out of the limelight, Johanna and I keep shoving them in there. And we've done a lot of reporting, including this weekend, the COO of Uber left. Um, but there's all kinds of news. So, Johanna, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming so, on. Yeah, I love so talking many. about Uber. So, oh, I know it's all you can talk <laughs> about now. In case you're interested, that's all. That's all you do. You're on the Uber beat. So, I know Joanne has a, like a wide ranging beat on transportation, but Uber's really the biggest company right now, and the one that's imploding, kind of in a lot of ways. So, why don't we start with the basics? Why don't you tell us what? is happening at Uber, Johanna. Why don't you go through what's happened, a little bit of the history of, of their controversies, and then like get right to what's happening now. Sure, yeah. I mean, not to go you know too deep into the chronology, at a very high level, what you're seeing is Uber's notorious, take-no-prisoners, aggressive approach to both its internal culture and as, as well as its external relationships is kind of coming to a head in a way that Uber has never seen before. You know, the company has had public scandals before, but unlike those, Uber CEO Travis Kalanick has not been able to manage his way out of it this time. And that's because, I mean, a lot of it 
um, is bringing to light internal issues that is sort of uh, you know emblematic of the tech industry as well. And that started with Susan Fowler, who is a former engineer at Uber, um, posting uh, basically an account of working at Uber for a year where she had male managers, um, you know, basically sexually harass her. Um, and she also saw rampant sexism throughout the company and reported it to HR as well as a number of uh, higher ups and, and nothing was really done because this male manager was a high, a high performer or a top performer or as Ariane Huffington calls them, brilliant jerks. So that started what you're now seeing, which is Uber basically trying to overhaul their public image. Um, they are searching for a COO or a second in command um, to be a partner to Travis Kalanick, who also for the first time in the history of Uber has admitted that he needs to grow up and become a better leader. Um, but you're also seeing a couple of other strings of things at play. You know, Uber's self-driving arm is kind of in turmoil now because Waymo, uh, which is Alphabet's self-driving company, filed a lawsuit against Uber and the trucking company they acquired, which is Auto, uh, alleging that the co-founder of Auto, Anthony Lewandowski, stole a number of proprietary designs that um, are really key to a self-driving system before leaving Alphabet to join or to start Auto. So that's happening as well. And then, you know, you mentioned Mike Isaac. He also reported that the company has a tool that tracks um, usage of their app in order to evade local authorities. Uber says they're not going to do that anymore. So there's there are, I mean, dozens it's of different things. It's a yeah. storm of stuff. How, I mean, have people known about these problems for a long time? Because I actually just finished reading Brad Stone's book, which is about both Uber and Airbnb. And in you know, years we've we've actually all reported on Uber at some point in our careers. Um, in years past, there's certainly been plenty of references to Travis as a kind of pugnacious person, right, and um, combative and aggressive in his approach. But in terms of um, some of the, I guess, the specific claims around uh, the sexist nature of Uber, like has any of this been? known or reported about before? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it has seeped out into the public um, in in different ways. You know, Uber's SVP, Emil Michael, um, was quoted saying that he wanted to dig up dirt on one particular female journalist. Uh, I mean, a lot of different journalists were tracked and, and you know, Uber also had a, an advertisement in France that basically paired riders with quote-unquote hot chicks. Travis Kalanick has called Uber Boober, when he, mm -hmm. which is like a service basically that gets you hot girls. Um, yeah, so, we got that part. We got the Boober part. Yeah, it's I just didn't know if classless. I needed to explain it to <laughs> <Cara>. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a classy way to talk about your company. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're a CEO of a $60 billion company, that's how you talk about it. And like, to talk like, about it publicly and on the record, it shows some level of disregard for, you know, equality of gender. So yeah. if that's happening publicly, you can only really assume, you know, what's happening on the inside. So those public those public reporting on that, I mean, it reflects the internal culture. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. And I think one of the things that helped it is were these firings and that they actually took action in what's happening. And uh, But a lot of it was prompted by our reporting, Johanna. Like the, yeah. the, they didn't know about the Google executive who they hired had had yeah, a take, history. I was going to say, take us through some of the firings, the movement that's happened over the past few weeks. Yeah. Yeah, the go company. Ahead. Johanna, go right ahead. Sure, There's the company so has seen a lot of um, executive departures, which is not great, considering they're trying to overhaul their image and restructure the internal workings of the company. Uh, first, I believe this is first. There have been so many, but Amit Singhal, who was hired as the as the SVP of engineering in January, um, was asked to resign by the CEO because, well, I guess we went to them and with allegations from their his previous employer, Google, of sexual harassment, and he never disclosed that to the company. So Uber CEO Travis Klanick asked him to resign, which is good on him to do that. I think but it does bring to mind is why they didn't know. Yes. Like why you know there why a lot did of we questions know about that. You know, one of at one point one of the Uber people was like, Well we didn't know and I said, Well why did I know? And you know what I mean? It was kind right. of a, I was like, Well I, I'm a one person. You've got a whole recruiting organization that's not doing their job. Right. And um, they also have close connections to Google. I mean a lot of Uber's current, you know, high level ranking executives or, you know, their head of comms or head of HR, they're ex Google employees. They're, mm -hmm. you know, and Silicon Valley, they're people like 
like to gossip. I can't imagine that this is something that hasn't been talked about in some way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. What are some of the other executive moves that have happened? You guys just reported last weekend, I think, about was it uh, the president who stepped down? Yeah. Well, before that, before that, Ed Baker, the head of product in Johanna, could go into a similar situation of bad behavior that we brought to their attention, which was, I mean, they knew it, but they didn't do anything about it. Right. And so that's another case where um, Ed Baker, he... His resignation statement is basically, I'm resigning to focus on my family or something like that. But timed with that resignation was a number of uh, uh, people were reporting that he tried to hit on them, I believe, or he was seen making out with employees at different parties. Um, And this was brought to light in an email, an anonymous email that an Uber employee sent to Ariana Huffington when the investigation into Susan Fowler's claims began and also forwarded along to a number of reporters, including us. So we brought that to their intention and he resigned. But he resigned about two weeks, I want to say, after that email had been sent. So Hmm. um, there was a little bit of a lag. And then Hmm. last weekend, Jeff Jones, he was the the president and was hired away from – uh, target. He basically headed up both the driver and rider marketing stuff and operations. Um, he resigned as well because he, in his statement, says that he did not, um, his values did not, were not in line with Uber's operations. Which he didn't outline what those values were, but I think everyone was clear that he thought it was awful. Now, there were also, Uber was sort of putting out that he didn't get, there's a search for a COO right now, mm-hmm. and that he didn't get the COO job, or he wasn't offered this, and so he was angry that he, since he had been number true, number two, that he would, that he was, he wasn't in line to get the job, and mm-hmm. so that, they were putting that story out. So it's just, it's ugly all around, like really, yeah. it's kind of like not, you don't want to see this stuff in public, really, right. like, within a company. So now there is this internal investigation going on. Uh, you mentioned Eric Holder, Ariana Huffington, and others who have been brought in. I mean, in Silicon Valley, we call this bringing in the adult supervision, right, to sort of uh, see what's really been going on inside the company, what could possibly be done, if this is mm-hmm. all kind of, you can recoup from this, if it's salvageable. Talk a little bit about the search for the COO. Who's on the shortlist for this? And what's this, What's that going to do at this point? So they're hoping that that's going to be that person um, and that role will serve to complement uh, Travis's skills, expertise, I guess, talents. Um, and they keep talking. They keep throwing out this word partner, 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 which is a weird word to throw out in relation to Travis because he's known notoriously as being incredibly combative, as we've said before. Um, he likes to be really involved in a lot of the company's um, uh, operations and decision making. He doesn't like to share. You know, he wants to be the one who makes the, the decisions and calls the shots. And a lot of people say that's probably why, you know, he's kind of holding off on going public. So, you know, they're still in the midst of this search. They mentioned yesterday on a press call that they are really impressed. The search is being um, led by Bill Gurley and Ariana Huffington, who are both on Uber's board, uh, as well as Travis, obviously. And they said they're really impressed by the caliber of the people that they're seeing. I don't know that there is a shortlist yet. They're, they had uh, a number of meetings, and the search just started, I believe, last week. There, there are some names, though, that have been. Yeah, there have been names. Tim Armstrong. Yeah. Armstrong from AOL, uh, Susan Wojcicki from Google, who runs YouTube, uh, although she's in a little hot water right now around ads. There's a whole bunch of different names that are, you know, Nikesh Aurora from Google. Yeah. But what's interesting, what I heard recently is that the person who takes over CEO will not have engineering under them. Uh, that's going to stay in Travis's area. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, like Johanna said, if he can share, if he can be a partner to anyone. And they're, they're trying to make the reference to Mark Zuckerberg bringing in Sheryl Sandberg, because they had a lot of troubles Mark did uh, yeah. during the early days of Facebook. And when he brought in Cheryl, he got a true partner and they really, he, she really did upgrade the entire place pretty much. Um, but, you know, Mark Zuckerberg is a very different animal than Travis Kalanick yeah. and, and, and much, and Travis is much older and probably set in his ways in yeah. a way. So it's going to be think, hard. I do think the, the names that have been floated are a little bit encouraging because it's, it, it makes it clear that they're not looking just for like a figurehead. They want someone who actually can do, you know, things that, would help Travis and actually run the company. 
Mm-hmm. Kara, have they asked you yet to be COO? Just no, curious. I think that would be one of the ugliest uh, and shortest <laughs> tenures in, in history. You know what I mean? It would be, but they do need, I mean, there's a whole question of whether they should bring a woman in and if they bring a white guy, you know, there's all these, there's, unfortunately, Uber's gotten sucked up into a really bad situation is they can't yeah. make good choices. They have to, like, a lot of it has to be optically correct at the same time, too. And, right. and it, you know, you may go OPCPC, but the fact of the matter is they have just a terrible you know, issue, perception issue that's affecting their consumer areas. And they also have this law, you know, people are focused on the sexism and sexual harassment, but the lawsuit, yeah. you know, Johanna has said mm-hmm. is very serious and troubling for that company. So it's, it's a wholesale management that seems in total dysfunction and needs a major overhaul by someone who's a very strong operator. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. It's not a perception issue anymore. And a lot of their past issues have been perception, PR, public image. This is a very real issue within the company that actually has to be fixed, not just, you know, telling reporters this is what we did and why and how we've changed. Like we have, there has to be a change within the company because it's now a $70 billion company that operates around the world. Your employees are not just going to stick around just because, you know, you are this like startup that, um, you know, is really hot and people really like, no, that's not going to work anymore. Right. Do you think there is any chance that Travis Kalanick would, his role would change in some capacity, would step down, or that the COO could be a precursor to something else? I think all signs right now point to no, Mm -hmm. um, because right now Travis has a lot of allies and loyalists on the board. Um, Garrett Camp is co-founder, Ryan Graves, uh, the former president of Uber, and now Ariana Huffington. Um, I think what could change that is if Ariana Huffington, who is, you know, really smart about her image, really good at, you know, managing her her PR and stuff like that. If she if it becomes too toxic to become, you know, to be on Travis's side, if she flipped and, you know, up until now, she's defended him really staunchly, has said that he's evolving. She's seen the change in him. If she decides that that's no longer the way to go, I mean, I, there there is a chance that maybe he'll get pushed out in some way. But right now, definitely not. And she just went on CNN uh, to say that he would absolutely not be replaced, which yeah. I, I, he, she and I have had a back and forth, an email, and I was like, you're kind of prejudging, what if something comes out that is awful? Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, if they're having a true investigation by the attorney, the former attorney general of the United States, they should keep their mouth shut until there's an investigation right. finished, but- because now it looks like... Like something could come up. You just yeah. never know in yeah. these things. And so-, so that was discussed during the press call yesterday and Ariane Huffington was on it and she said over and over again, I don't think that anything will come out of the investigation that would warrant his stepping down. And then we also have to add the context that the investigation is being held, you know, uh, conducted by Eric Holder, who has previously worked with Uber um, and, you and know, Airbnb Ariane Huffington as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so just and Ariane Huffington, who's on the board and, you know, it's it's not entirely independent in the way that you would hope an investigation into a company's internal practices would right. be. It doesn't feel totally objective to you is what you're no. saying. Okay. Yeah. Because of, because like there are people that are on the board who are involved. And so they have a vested yeah. interest and Eric yeah. Holder has this ongoing relationship with the company. Yeah, it's it's all everyone's got a vested. It feels like, a, you know, a congressional investigation into Russia wiretapping or something. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? You're like, why? Like, if you watch the it does remind you, like, yeah. Can we please have an independent investigation that is actually believable? And the problem that Uber has, and something I was telling Ariana Huffington, is that no one believes them, no matter what they do. Mm-hmm. Even when they do things that aren't wrong, people assume the worst of them. And, yeah. and so they have to be, you know, purer than Caesar's wife. That's what I wrote her. I said, you just have to be, you know what I mean? That's yeah. an expression, but you really do. No, that's exactly what I meant when I said, you know, this is, you know, their notoriously take no prisoners attitude is finally coming to a head because they have no goodwill. They've developed literally no goodwill, not with regulators, not with the press, not with consumers. And and you saw things like the first Delete Uber uh, campaign when Uber really didn't do anything wrong, but people were so quick to delete their accounts because they assumed that Uber was in the wrong because Uber typically is always in the wrong. When in fact, they really honestly did not do anything to um, profit off the backs of these taxi drivers, which was the, the claim originally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, everyone's going to get blamed for everything. And sometimes they deserve it and sometimes they don't, but it doesn't matter. They've got a real, they've got a real problem both with consumers, with everybody. I think you're right with the press. I mean, when I was talking to someone for yesterday for, at Uber, I, then there was noise in the background and the person said, oh, 
that's you know one of the press people yelling getting in a fight with the reporter and i was laughing it was funny you know what i mean yeah. like it's that kind, it's that kind of we don't yell at them right johanna we're very polite when we <laughs> call them horrible news but um Kara, but, polite. But i'm always polite i don't know what you're talking yes. about <laughs> <laughs> well but so it's, spe- it's i mean it's not pretty it's not a pretty situation for them and Johanna, you, I mean, speaking about this idea of trust being such a big issue now, you had another scoop about their self-driving car pilot, um, where you basically found out that it really didn't go as well as Uber would like people to have thought. So, I mean, yeah. now we've got internal strife, uh, for lack of a better term. There are concerns about their ethics. There are concerns about all kinds of things going on just inside of the company. But now you're talking about putting autonomous vehicles on the road uh, that could potentially run a red light and hurt somebody. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to start with, you know, Uber is very early in its testing of its autonomous cars. You know, they started working on them in 2015, didn't put them on public roads or in a commercial sense where you know people could actually hail them until September of 2016. And so it makes sense that the cars aren't totally great. The issue here is that people can hail these cars. And so basically I, I got a hold of internal documents that showed that um, about an average of once per mile a human driver had to take back control of the car from the the robot system, essentially. And this was in Arizona as well as Pittsburgh, and they're just starting to ramp up in San Francisco. So that's not great. Um, And in fact, that's actually worse than the company was doing in January. So their progress has, you know, what little progress they made before has actually declined in the last couple of months. So you're not, you're seeing that humans have to still be fairly involved and you're seeing that it's not getting better over time. And so that's not totally great. That said, um, they have racked up a lot of miles. Uh, at just uh, the second week of March, the company put on 20,000 miles um, with their autonomous cars. And they've done 900 and about 40, 940 uh, commercial self-driving rides. So they're making some money off of their pilot. Um, it's really not great, and uh, but it is... Very, very early it's still. still early days. Yeah. 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 A lot of people came up to us at a thing last night and everyone's like, is it going to implode? Everyone's using the word implode. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's, you know, besides Airbnb, it's one of the biggest high flyers of Silicon Valley of this era right now. And it's a very good business. Like it's a very like it works well when you use it yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. But everyone is talking about this because I'm thinking they, they're operating this crazy complex business right now, trying mm-hmm. to grow it and also dealing with the most epic management problems laced over with this sexual harassment stuff. It's just like a lot of people feel keep using the word implode. And I don't know if that's fair or not or just curious what you think. Um, so the issue here, I mean, I, I think the, all of this is happening at a time, you know, where people there's a sort of newfound sense of activism among people in, the, you know, the post or the, the Trump era. Um, so that's adding to Uber's current issues. But the bottom line is Uber is as popular as it is, is as, you know, widespread as it is because the technology is good. It's efficient. It's better than all of its competitors. And it completely turned the transportation industry on its head. And it's the reason why I started covering because it because really, you have to be impressed with how great the technology actually is and how much it's progressed over the last couple of years. That said, if, you know, in New York City, for example, there's a, a new company called Juno. And all they did was base their app is not as great, um, but they basically gave customers uh, a lot of discounts and they gave drivers only, they only take 10% commission from them and they added tipping and all of these other driver benefits. And they are, have now done more than a million rides in New York City, which is, you know, taking away from both Uber and Lyft. So there is the possibility that, that another company, even if it's not as great as Uber, can take over in s- smaller markets, in local markets. And so... I mean, they don't have to win in every single market around the world, but they can win local markets. And if that, you know, market share of Ubers is chipped away on a local level, maybe then, you know, we'll see kind of an implosion of Uber. It's crazy. It's a crazy story. And it's disappointing in a lot of ways, because as you mentioned, I mean, the technology is really quite remarkable. And um I remember covering Uber in the very early days. It was 2010 when I first wrote about Uber and had tried it in New York and tried it in San Francisco. And it really, in New York, it wasn't even the service it is now, but in San Francisco, and yeah. it was oh, they were only handling black cars. And there was this markup of $7 or $8 per ride. So it was very expensive. It was a premium service at the time. And I remember thinking, 
this is amazing. It's amazing what we can do with our phones and how we can get a cab. And then, you know, the I think the value proposition at the time was that they were trying to solve driver downtime for people who, you know. And anyway, yeah. and then it just evolved into this behemoth and, and what it is today. And like you said, impacting almost every facet of our of our transportation system as we know it to be now. And the fact that all of this just terrible management, what appears to be terrible management and mismanagement, is potentially bringing this company down in such a significant way. It's just like, I feel like there will be, you know, case studies on this for years to come. Yeah. I mean, Yahoo was great at one point, right? (laughs) It's like better than Yahoo. (laughs) Someone was saying Marissa Mayer should get the CEO job and then I'd be so happy. I could just write. write. (laughs) Oh, wow. Anyway, um, yeah, think about that. She won't be getting the job, by the way. So in a minute, we're going to answer some questions from our readers and listeners about Uber, and Johanna's going to do that for us. But first, we're going to take a quick break as Lauren reads word for word from our sponsor, and I say ka-ching. Ka-ching. Good job, Good job, Kara. Well, today's show is brought to you not by Uber, but by HostGator. If you're ready to take your website to the next level, whether you're a first-time blogger or an experienced web pro, HostGator has all the tools you need to create a great-looking website or even an online store. And if you ever need a boost in hosting power, HostGator offers cloud, VPS, and dedicated server hosting that can easily handle maximum visitor traffic to your site. So see what HostGator can do for your website. And right now, because you're a Recode listener, you get 60% off. If you go to HostGator.com Recode, that's HostGator.com slash Recode. You will get your 60% off. Wow, that was really ka-chingy that today, Lauren. That ka-ching. was fantastic. Ka-ching. Ching. Ka-ching. All right. So if you've been listening to the show, you know how it works. Every week we take tech questions from our readers and listeners, and we try to answer everything we can. This week we're answering your questions about Uber, and we have Johanna Bullion, who covers Uber for us. So first question, Johanna, is a good one from no- at Noah Kravitz. Here's my question. Why are they so goddamned evil? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I wouldn't say that they're evil. Um, I think, you know, <laughs> Travis is really aggressive. I made you laugh. I made you laugh. <laughs> Go ahead. He's really aggressive. And I think part of that is because, you know, this is not his first company. He's had a lot, he, I think, two or three other companies before Uber that he's tried and in some ways failed. I think one of them was actually sold. But, you know, this is his last go around to really make it as a Silicon Valley tech. Billionaire. Yeah, exactly. And so in order to do that, they realized that they have to be really aggressive. And also you have to remember that in the beginning, Uber was up against, you know, the taxi industry, which is not bad in all places, but there are a lot of places where that was, you know, they had a very similar kind of mob mentality going on. Um, so they have to, had to be aggressive in the beginning in order to, you know, win market share, in order to expand and actually, you know, build a business that clearly is not going to bring it to the next level. Not exactly a why, but you're saying they're not evil. And Noah, that's that's Johanna's I, answer. I'm not saying they're not evil. I'm just saying I wouldn't necessarily say that myself. Yeah, it's okay. The investigation <laughs> is ongoing onto their evilness. <laughs> All right. Uh, we have two questions from Alex Hardy. Hello, hello. We are investigating whether they're evil, says Ariana. <laughs> thank, you for, thank you for the cameo on our show, Ariana. You are welcome anytime. <laughs> they're not evil. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, they're not, uh, according to Ariana. Okay, so we have two questions from Alex Hardy, who's written in before. Uh, he's at Can't Hardly Wait on Twitter. Uh, the first question, Alex, we already did answer, who's on the short list for COO. That's in the beginning of the show. Uh, his second question is interesting. Though a firing does seem unlikely due to voting control can you lay out a realistic scenario or two where travis does resign yeah and we mentioned this earlier but i think the most realistic scenario is if you know ariana huffington realizes it's too toxic to be associated with travis or to be the defender of travis Kalanick. um and then she kind of flips her loyalty because currently travis has a lot of allies on the board it's unlikely he'll be pushed out given that and so I think that would be scenario number one. I don't totally know w- w- what else could push him out. Right now, the company is really defending him. They're really standing behind him. They talked about how much he's evolved in the last couple of months. Um, and in her interview at, on CNN, Ariane Huffington you know, mentioned, you know, the the change doesn't happen without a, a catalyst. And the catalyst is usually pretty bad. So 
I guess that's, yeah. this falls here's, under that. Here's how it could happen. If more executives leave, if you see like top executives, like they're ahead of uh, comms, Rachel Whetstone or their uh, uh, lawyer, Sally, I think it's you, is that right? Yeah. Name? Um, if you see those kind of departures, uh, if you see more of those, I think that could be problematic, obviously. If David Bonderman from TPG suddenly... Yeah. You know, and he doesn't listen to anybody, that guy. He doesn't have to <laughs> at this point, right? So you could, there's a lot of people who could put pressure if they feel. If To me, I think if certain people leave, if enough, if especially women executives leave, or if there's another thing that comes out. And there's a lot. Listen, Johanna and I hear everything, and there's a lot floating around that's yeah. kind of ugly. And so none of which has checked out, but it's still uh, it's floating around. And at some point, you know, you, it's not where there's smoke, there's fire, but it's sort of, it's just floating. And so I think that's the issue is if he, if he can't get through the stuff and, and get someone in place in time. So speed is of the essence in selecting this COO for sure. Next question is from F. Reed at Too Low Tech. Is Uber really losing writers or is it just getting bad publicity and people are still using it? That's a good question because, as you mentioned earlier, uh, there there have been at least a couple delete Uber, hashtag delete Uber campaigns now. And I believe somebody reported that the number of writers that they were losing was at least in the couple hundred of thousands, right? Um, Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like they really are losing writers, Yes. Um, so, yeah, after the the first Delete Uber campaign, which was related to the protest, um, they lost more than 200,000 uh, users. Put in context, though, Uber gets about that many new users, you know, a week. So it, it, it was a huge loss. It was unforeseen for Uber. But at the same time, it ended up evening out in terms of their user base. And, and on the press call yesterday, they also kind of slipped in updates on their business. And apparently last week, they um, did more rides in the U.S. than they've ever done before. You would hope that a company valued at $70 billion was always doing better every week than it ever has been for. And you also have to consider that the Uber probably rolled out a lot of different promotions. But it does mean that people are still using Uber across the country. And they also are seeing you know, increased growth in major markets outside the U.S., like Latin America. Okay. All right. Next one, uh, Kay Bullock. How is the fallout affecting their business outside the U.S.? Can they survive that? International growth has been important to them. Yeah. So as we all know, Uber is no longer in China, Mm -hmm. um, which is a huge potential market and could have been great for the company, but they were just losing too much money trying to compete there. India is very similar in terms of the dynamics. They have a really strong competitor there, Ola, um, which they're they're kind of in a similar battle with Ola that they were in with Didi. They have to subsidize basically to get new riders. Um, then there's all these regulatory issues. And so, you know, India is still kind of a question mark just because, you know, they're seeing growth, obviously, but it's still a question mark because they have a very strong competitor. And yes. have they been taking advantage of this? Have they been like saying, have they been using? Lyft sort of has, right? Have these rivals tried to say, look at this crazy company? I don't know that they have. And I think that part of that is probably because, you know, although Uber operates globally, its headquarters is in the United States. And it's, you know, the world, uh, despite what a lot of us feel like, does not revolve around Silicon Valley. So it maybe it's because it's characterized or feels like a Silicon Valley issue that this hasn't really gone beyond the borders of the U.S. Because yesterday they said that they saw 600 percent growth in Latin America, which is, a, you know, a gigantic market for them. <laughs> Um, you know, they have a, a pretty strong competitor in the Middle East, but they are doing really well there, too. They're expanding across the region. Um, another question mark, though, is Europe. They are facing a lot of regulatory issues there. They are facing a lot of regulatory issues in Southeast Asia where they're competing with Grab. And so I don't think that Uber would be able to survive solely on their international business right now, um, just because a lot of it is still so much so up in the air because of regulation and competitors. Mm-hmm. I mean, to keep in mind, too, Uber is still a private company. So all of the data that they are sharing or little bits of data that they're, you know, or they're saying they're expanding somewhere. Yeah. I mean, we don't have proof of that because they're not getting into a room and revealing all of the data to investors uh, once every three months. Um, And nobody trusts them. And and there's a trust issue, right? So yeah. Yeah. Okay. The next question is from Christopher Phelps at Mr. Protozoa on Twitter. Love the convenience of Uber UK, but feel guilty about their questionable ethics practices. What to do? Well, Christopher, uh, if I may jump in here, uh, if you feel guilty and you don't want to use a service, 
you do not have to use a service. There's nothing, I mean, I know you like the convenience. There might be, you would do some research into other services that are available in your area. Maybe it's a matter of giving up convenience once in a while and taking some other form of transportation. And then, you know, if you ever get into an emergency situation or a situation where you just really want to take an Uber, then take an Uber. But I mean, no one's forcing anybody at this point to use the company's services if they don't feel good about the Johanna, stories they've read. Options yeah. in UK? Um, so they get, which is a is a competitor of Uber that's also in New York, um, is really popular in Europe. So that's another option. I believe Halo is still in London, but this sounds more like a question for your therapist. So I don't know <laughs> <laughs> how to help you. Yeah, people are agonizing over this. All right. Yeah. Next question. Same thing. Besides the pink logo is Lyft a more inclusive company. It's from at uh, Bridget McCaw, McCaw Bridget. Any high level female executives or senior managers at Lyft? Lyft yeah. is just being super quiet. Right? Super they are being quiet. really quiet, which is, you know, pretty smart on their end. You know, they don't want to look like they're taking advantage all, of all of this. It's probably better for them to let their business and their brand speak for itself. They do have high-powered or high-level um, female executives. Their VP of product, Tally Rappaport, who's been there for a really long time, um, is a woman. Uh, they just hired a new chief marketing officer from Pandora, another woman. Their head of communications, Sheila Bryson, is also a woman. Um, so they do have high-level female executives. That said, Uber has high-level female executives. Sally Yu, their general counsel, their head of communications, Rachel Whetstone, Rachel Holt, who heads up all of U.S. and Canada. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. all of this still happened, even though these the Uber has high-level female executives. So I don't think that that's a perfect measure of inclusion. Um, and also a lot of it depends on tenure too. You can bring in new hires all the time, but the problems often stem from how people are treated once they're in there, once they're in the system, right? So Yeah. And diversity, you know, can't just be measured by numbers. It's mm -hmm. not like numbers in a room that means literally nothing. It has to be a combination of both numbers and also those people are empowered to speak and have their voice heard. Absolutely. And the block and tackling of systems, putting systems in place. Yeah. Someone, I was talking to someone last night over dinner about that. You have to just do the basics of creating a systematic company that, and they haven't. They, you know, and that's the excuse Uber's using. They've grown and grown and grown so fast they couldn't possibly be bothered by stopping sexual harassment. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, but it, it's, right. it's not an excuse. It's right. actually, you know, awful that for so long, you know, Uber CEO, as we reported, was actually the one who said that he doesn't want a diversity report. He didn't see that as an efficient measure of the company's success. He also, you know, felt like the HR department's role was really to scale the company and to, you know, help fire those people that they want to fire more so than it was to solve workplace issues. And so it makes sense that Susan Fowler's claims went largely unchecked and unremedied while she was there. Comes from the top. Uh, question, this is a good question. question from Daniel Bizzardo. He's at Dan Music on Twitter. Um, does Uber know that I use Lyft as well? Hmm. So if you have Uber on your phone, um, I don't know that they can access this while you're not using the app. But, you know, the app also accesses things if you give them permission, like the accelerometer on your phone and the GPS and location. So it can tell, you know, how fast you're moving in whatever direction. So it's likely that you're moving in a car and things like that. And you're using that technology to offer t tools for its drivers or to make sure that their driver isn't or is driving properly and efficiently and safely. Is it possible that the company ha has the capabilities to use that to determine if you're using other services or what you're doing? Probably. It's a technology company. I don't know that that you know, means necessarily that they are. All right, next question. Uh, Choco Burger. Great name. Choco Burger is the name. Since Uber is an awful company, all right, he's editorializing, is it okay to support Lyft instead, or are they just as bad? I mean, it's, it's a matter of someone ta talking uh, about, you know, their experience at Lyft. There's no reason to think right now that Lyft has the same problems, but there's also no reason to give them a pass. You know, Lyft, you know, has a lot of not the same investors, but their investors come from that same world. Their, you know, their executives come from that same world. They still are of the Silicon Valley culture. I, mm -hmm. we can't pretend, you know, that it's not possible that this is also happening at Lyft. And and, and one thing that they're saying at Lyft, a lot of people are pointing out is that, and and Uber people are mad about that. That Peter Thiel, who's very yeah. controversial, is a major investor in Lyft, mm -hmm. a, not a little one, a major one. And that's another, you know, you want it, you want to back Peter Thiel, you want to make more money. I mean, so there's all kinds of things when you're starting to use these services to decide what who matters to, benefit, to you, really. right? 
Yeah, it's like, oh, I don't know, Burger King or McDonald's? Well, let me tell you, they're both fast food. And if you're looking to go on a diet, you'll want to avoid both. That's not really the answer here, but I guess it's hard to uh, sort of scale them next to each other um, without really knowing the full story. Honestly, if you want to feel good about yourself, you just walk, then you'd be healthier. (laughs) Um, Okay, how are they doing in businesses beyond car sharing? This is from Ann Wessig at Ann A. Wessig. Food delivery, grocery, Uber, everything. How's that going, Johanna? So Uber Everything is pretty important to them. Um, the company has tried, you know, in order to go public, they have to be able to show that they have a diverse revenue stream, that it's not just coming from picking up and dropping off people because that require, you know, or relies heavily on subsidies. Um, and it's also very, very, you know, easy to gain market share. So it needs to be, their business needs to be more than that. So they've invested in delivery services, Uber Rush and things like that, but they've pivoted a lot in the last couple of years or last two years or so. Um, they now have their Uber Eats app, which has expanded to places like Singapore and London and things like that. But I, I there haven't been real updates on how well that's doing. So if you use Uber Eats, please let me know. Next question is from Adam Engelbrecht, uh, Adam Engel on Twitter. Are Bay Area and Silicon Valley employers looking at employment at Uber as negative? This is a really good question. Uh, you know, for a while, I think if people said, oh, you know, I work at Uber or I'm applying for a job at Uber, there was a certain sexiness to the company, even though they are notorious mm-hmm. for, you know, expecting long hours out of you. Has that changed? Uh, I've heard anecdotally from people that, you know, they – will turn Uber or ex-Uber employees away because, you know, they believe that they are sort of indoctrinated now with this, you know, aggressive attitude and approach to things. You know, even in the HR department, a lot of, uh, you're not supposed to, they have a rule and you're not supposed to poach from specific companies. They have like non-poaching agreements with particular companies, but even the HR people were encouraged. They would basically... Uh, put letters from companies who are mad about them poaching their employees on their desk and kind of show them off as badges of honor. So a lot of companies outside of Uber who may be interested in their talent probably don't want that at their company. So I've heard anecdotally that, yes, they have people have been turned away um, because they worked at Uber. At the same time, I mean, working at a company like Uber that has scaled at the level that it has scaled and as fast as it did and as well as it did is still, you know, a, a, a skill or is it's still a, an advantage um, if you're trying to help a smaller company grow. All right. Next question is from Terry Johnson. Has Uber ever considered the, the thousands of cabbies left unemployed and in debt for worthless licenses? And then this also added, seems to me they've been seriously callous and uncaring about people with few other options. Should they care about the taxi people, Johanna? <sighs> um, so, I mean, most... This is a fraught company. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, so it's tough to answer because, you know, I, I don't think that Uber... And when Uber went into this market, it was they were going after sort of the luxury car service market. They weren't they didn't go into it thinking that they would be replacing taxis. They thought they were going to be replacing luxury black car services. Eventually, though, you know, that just ended up what what happened, you know, and there were a lot of now the medallion, for example, the value of the medallion taxi medallion in New York City has gone down. Um, a lot of people are having difficulty selling them. So the value, you know, it, it, they are in debt because of that. At the same time, you know, it, it is a free market. You know, taxi drivers can work for Uber or they can find another position. And I, I don't know that it's necessarily Uber or any other company's responsibility uh, to make sure that the industry that they're replacing has some sort of new job opportunity or new opportunity in general. All right. Johanna, the capitalist. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, Too next. bad. All right. This long one. Yeah, this Lauren's is an email uh, from Zach Villers who said, All right, this is a good one. He said, I'm trying not to be a stupid male here, even though I am genetically predisposed to such behavior. (laughs) I read the letter from the engineer who was harassed. It's horrifying to think about and put yourself in her shoes, both from the actions of the harassers and from the simple fact that no one did anything. So here are my two questions. 
How does this behavior not get dealt with? Is there not one person at the company who can do the right thing outside of the women being harassed? I'm not talking about some chivalrous type that deals with injustices vigilante style. I guess my inexperience here is showing, he says, but how does a company of this size actually foster this environment? Then he says, from the women in tech I follow on Twitter, the situations that the engineer at Uber had to deal with isn't that uncommon. Obviously, if you see something, say something, be a witness, et cetera. But are there other indicators that someone is being harassed? And if there are indicators and I see them, what do I do? Um, and it's a very personal note. He says, as a person with Asperger's, it's hard for me to pick up on everything, but I feel a sort of allegiance for minorities, people of color, women, anyone that gets harassed, and I want to try those. So what can I do? Uh, well, for the first question, um, how does this uh, behavior kind of, you know, go unchecked at a big company? For Uber specifically, like I said before, the the priority was to scale and to grow. And it was if, you know, if one, what you want to do is not mission critical. The mission being win at all costs, beat competitors, you know, win against regulators, then it's probably not worth doing and it's probably, you know, not worth your time. So when it comes to things like helping someone who says that they were being harassed, that's not, that wasn't the priority at first at HR, um, in their HR department. Because Susan Valor also said that she went to the company's CTO with these allegations and nothing was done. So that's kind of how things happen at a bigger company. If your focus is not so much on fostering an inclusive environment and on fostering and making sure your employees are happy and more on winning and growing, then of course things are going to you know, fall by the wayside and slip through the cracks, which is not great. That's not how you should be running your company. In terms of, you know, as a minority, um, you know, the thing that would help me if I were ever being harassed is, you know, because you want to be able to work at a company where you feel empowered to speak up. You know, you can create different programs that do that. Vox Media has a lot of those where um, they they have kind of, you know, special interest groups or I don't really know actually what the name of them are, but they basically you can create these identity groups that can gather together, talk about your shared interests, um, and then try to put forth programs uh, within the company that would help you, you know, promote your or inclusion of your particular identity. So creating things like that, I think, you know, are really important for a large company. I don't know if there's like a, a handbook for how to tell if someone is being harassed, but I think being able to see it, seeing if someone is you know, uncomfortable or made uncomfortable by a particular situation or interaction, I think is probably one step. Yeah. But at the same time, look, let's not make excuses for these people. You know what I mean? They've got enormous amounts of money. Like what, how many billions do they have in their, in their venture capital raising? It's enormous and it's, it's careless and badly done. And to say we're growing so fast, we just can't help it. We're on such a scale. We're taking such risks. It's just I don't know. It's just bullshit to me. No. Yeah. I mean, that's not an excuse by any means. That's (laughs) me saying that that was the wrong priority. You know, like you should not be only caring about how big your company is, you know, in lieu of caring about how your employees feel and how and how whether they're healthy or not. Mm-hmm. I just think they insult the HR function completely and they treat it like it's, you know, the, the original HR person here during some of these more difficult times who was from Google, very well regarded, worked for Susan Wojcicki actually, also is now sort of, it's her fault? I don't think so. She wasn't able to report to the CEO, probably wasn't empowered, wasn't yeah. treated. You know what I mean? It's just like ultimately, I think whatever happens to Travis, the you know, the it's his fault. And if he wasn't able to focus on this and he was saying, I don't think diversity ports are important and he's allowing these brilliant jerks to thrive, it is his responsibility to either change or get out of the way, really. You know what I mean? Change Mm -hmm. and make it so it's possible or get out of the way. And if he can't change, then it has to change. You know, people can certainly change, but it's a question of if he's willing to and he thinks he's done something that needs changing. Yeah. And I would say too that if you're um, observing someone else in your workforce who is dealing with either mild or overt forms of harassment, or discrimination. Um, I mean, going directly to that person and saying like, hey, I see what's going on, or do you want to talk about it is one thing. But I think also kind of offering to be like a second side of eyes or say like, hey, if you, you know, if you ultimately report this to HR, like I've seen this is helpful too, because it would, it could make a person feel like maybe they're a little bit less alone. But other than that, I mean, I think this is all, it's very systemic, these problems when they exist within a corporation or an organization. And so, there's only so much an individual can do in some mm-hmm. cases uh, to, to really change that. 
so Johanna, where do you think this ends? Where does it stop? It, it does. It does. It sounds odd, but it feels a little bit like what goes on with the Trump administration, the Russia thing. It's like, how, does it keep hanging over this company, or can they move? How do they move to a better place? Well, there has to be, you know, real change within the company. There, they have to not only find a new COO, they have to replace their entire C-suite of executives. And I think a lot of those decisions will, you know, show the public how the company is thinking about its future. It's again, they're a private company, so it's so hard to really know what's going on internally unless, you know, we're talking to obviously our sources and other people who work there. But Basically, it has to feel like a place where women, female engineers, um, feel no longer feel like they will be punished for, you know, reporting things like sexual harassment. The thing is, Uber has again managed its way out of a lot of its previous scandals, and so you know, as not saying that every no people will forget that this happened, but I think you know. Part of the benefit of the news cycle is that it moves very, very quickly. And if something else doesn't happen, you know, in the next couple of weeks, if something new doesn't happen, it's likely the company might be able to move on from it. Well, we'll see. They've hmm. gotten through a lot of other things before. This is more serious of all. Yeah. Um, for sure. All right. Well, thank you so much, Johanna, for being here. We uh, This has been another great episode of Too Embarrassed to Ask, and we really appreciate your insights. Thanks for having me. Johanna, and tell people where they can find you online or on the Twitter and your email and all that. Yeah, you can find me at recode.net. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Or on Twitter at jmbouya, B-O-O-Y-A-H. Great. If you all enjoyed the episode as much as we did, be sure to subscribe to the show and leave us a review at iTunes.com slash Too Embarrassed to Ask. But seriously, subscribe. If you do, you'll be the first to listen to new episodes every Friday or catch up on previous episodes where we answer all the tech questions that our listeners have been too embarrassed to ask. And if you're not on iTunes, you can also subscribe on Google Play Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Or you can just go to the website. Go to recode.net slash podcasts, and you can find all of our podcasts there. And while you're there, you can check out our other podcasts like Recode Decode, where we have some stuff from South by Southwest, including the cast of Veep and also the guys from Crooked Media. Recode Replay, where we have new code commerce podcasts and recode media with peter kafka the verge also has some podcasts for your listening pleasure walt mossberg and neil patel host control walt delete and we also have our weekly flagship show the verge cast and don't forget to tweet your questions ahead of time to at recode with the hashtag too embarrassed or email them to us at too embarrassed at recode.net thank you to everybody for listening and thank you also to digital media the company that distributes this show and thank you to our producer eric johnson we'll be back next week to answer more of the questions you've been too embarrassed to ask so tune in then lauren what are you still doing here the podcast is over go home please go home i have work to do no but seriously there <laughs> is one more thing we have to talk about before we go and it's called are you ready for it it's called tripod you're kidding me like a thing you put your camera on no no no. it's tripod with a y it's a hashtag that a lot of podcasts are using to help get the word out about why listening to podcasts is great the whole podcast universe is who we're helping here like telling your friends about a podcast that they'd enjoy Correct. yes yeah exactly so we want all of our listeners to think of a podcast their friends and family would really enjoy and then tell them about it either in real life or on social media yeah I, that's a good idea I think it's marketing we're, we're a marketing opportunity correct that's what we're doing ka-ching. here and since some ka-ching, and since some people don't know how to get started listening to podcasts offer to show them how yes so tell us what podcasts you shared with friends or family with the hashtag tripod that's T-R-Y P-O-D and then we'll see it and we'll know what podcast you're recommending to people thanks for spreading the word in advance